you read first in Psalm 8, Psalm 8, to the chief musician upon Gitteth, a psalm of David. Verse 3, when I see thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and stars, which thou hast established, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? John's Gospel, chapter 8. John 8. And early in the morning, he, that's Jesus, came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees bring to him a woman taken in adultery. And having set her in the midst, they say to him, Teacher, this woman has been taken in the very act committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses has commanded us to stone such. Thou therefore, what sayest thou? But this they said, proving him that they might have something to accuse him of. But Jesus, having stooped down, wrote with his finger on the ground. And when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said to them, Let him that is without sin among you first cast a stone at her. And again, stooping down, he wrote on the ground, But they, having heard that, went out one by one, beginning from the elder ones until the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing there. And Jesus, lifting himself up and seeing no one but the woman, said to her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no one condemned thee? And she said, No one, sir. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Just a reference in Daniel 5, Prophet Daniel chapter 5 and verse 5. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him and the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against the other. These scriptures speak of fingers. I want to speak mainly about the finger of God, about a God who is so great. When you see creation and the wonder of it, and the magnitude of it, And the God that created all that, the agent, of course, was Christ, the theme of the glad tidings, by whom also he made the worlds. But a God who's so great in creation, as, as Paul points out in Romans, that the first claim that God has, the first witness to man is in creation. Both his eternal power and divinity. But a God that's interested in you as an individual. That's wonderful, you know. Think of David, the young shepherd. Out in the sheepfolds at night, looking up. You don't see the moon and stars except at night. David would look up there and see the moon and the stars and get an impression of the greatness of God. The work of his fingers. 
Think of the intricacy of creation, the glory of it, the hand of a master. Wonderful, you know. Man, men have looked into these things. Some have been saved. Thank God for that. A man and his wife in Russia were saved. A shoemaker. Because he realized that without his thumb, he could not make shoes. He had four fingers and a thumb. But unless he had that thumb, he could not do his work. And so he began by praising the God who made the thumb. And through that, he was brought to trust in the Lord Jesus. Power of God in the detail of creation. And yet, dear friend, a God that's interested in you as a person, as an individual, and desires to bless you. What is man? What is he? You know, the... The description, the meaning of man here is weak, feeble man. That's what it is. Man thinks he's great, you know. But this is weak, feeble man. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. You know, man was God's greatest creation. The first of his creation to rebel against him. But God hasn't given up man. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless man. But you know, there are things that God can do in creation. Who can stay his hand? There are things, there is one thing that he cannot do. And that is overlook your sin. God is a righteous God. God is a loving God. That's what we preach in the glad tidings. But he's a holy God. And he's a righteous God. Him rather says God could not pass the sinner by. Justice demands. The righteousness and holiness of God demands that what he said at the outset, in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. In other words, they disobeyed God and fell into sin and death came in. That's what happened. That's why death is passed upon all. For all have sinned. So this applies to everybody. But you know... <coughs> He's desirous of blessing you as an individual. He hasn't given up his thoughts in relation to man. And he has provided a saviour for man. And that's wonderful. That's the, 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 the theme and the core of the gospel message. Is that Jesus came, the lost ones to save, as we sung, you know. And so God is interested in you as an individual and he wants to save you. But he can only do so if you accept the divinely appointed way of salvation. If you trust the Saviour that he has placed within your reach tonight. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that the heart of God? (laughs) That there's no one in the world tonight is outside the reach of salvation. No one. We're talking the reading in the various ways that God is using. You know, I think, I, I, I don't just remember the numbers, but generally, in a church in America, 
the word was going out to around about 2,000 people every week who were in the church. I'm not going to mention any names, but the pastor preached every week to 2,000 people. And then COVID hit and the church was closed. And they sent the word out (coughs) online. And they discovered that that word that evening reached over 100,000 people. See, the enemy defeats himself. God's word is going out. And it's reaching places it was never possible before. The entire world can be reached tonight through the glad tide, <coughs> through the medium that God could use. <coughs> and anyone can be saved. Isn't that wonderful? God's heart is out to whosoever will in the glad tidings. But the basis of the glad tidings is the finished work of Jesus. It's not his life here. His life was perfect. He was a man like no other man because he lived a sinless life. But what's important in the glad tidings is the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. What he did, what he bore in his own body on the tree Your sins and mine, willingly taking them on in order that we might go free tonight. There's no message like the message of the glad tidings. Think of the absence of peace in a time of peace. You know, persons sing about peace at Christmas time and talk about it and wish for it. But you know, there's no peace on the earth. There's no peace outside of Christ. If you reject the Prince of Peace, you can't have peace. Peace is coming, you know. Peace will be universally known in the millennial day. But at the moment, the Prince of Peace is rejected. But this is a message that's needed tonight in Aberdeen. It's a message that's needed in Scotland, in the UK, across the world. Across the world. It's a message that persons urgently need to hear. It's that salvation is available to all through faith in Christ. That's why we find him in John 8, you know, stooping there. Think of these two stoops. The stoop into manhood. What it was, you know, what love brought my Savior from the glory. That stoop into manhood, laying aside the Godhead glory that belonged to him, emptying himself and coming into manhood to live that life of absolute perfection, but then the second stoop into death. You know, without the death of Jesus, there was no hope for any one of us because he took on our liability, he took on the curse. What was due to me was borne by my Saviour at Calvary's cross. You know, what a thing Calvary's cross is, you know. I love, it. I love to think of it, that, that Calvary's cross uh, is where need brings me as a sinner. But it was love that brought Jesus to the cross. Great meeting point, you know, of the saviour and the sinner because it's at the cross that your burden of sin can be rolled away, it's at the foot of the cross, that's what Christian found 
in the, in the pilgrim's progress, when he got to the cross and he realized who was there and what he had done, that the burden of his sin rolled away, you know. Oh, <clears throat> the cross of Christ is wondrous. There I learn God's heart to me. You know, this is how we learn the, how a creator God feels about us. When we come to the cross, God so loved the world. He so loved. Is that the world that he had created? No, it's the persons in the world. It's the individuals. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Him who ye spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That's what God did. Uh, sufferings of Christ are calculated to affect us. They were not occasioned on his behalf, they were occasioned on ours. Uh, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's why the cross is so precious to everyone who believes in Jesus. That's why you learn God's heart there. You learn the depths of God's love towards you as a sinner. And that's what we find, you know, in John 8. That the Lord loved that woman, that sinner, that poor sinner. He loved the Pharisees. He would have extended blessing to them had they stayed what did he write on the ground? We're not told. It's left. It may have been the law that he wrote because they were taking up the law against this woman and the Lord wasn't setting aside the law. He was fulfilling the law in its minutest detail. So it may have been that he wrote the law. We don't know. It's speculation. But I would like to think that writing on the ground involved the Lord not leaving the world as he found it. And you know, the death of Christ changed the course of the history of this world. You know, that you thought about the kind of world that the Lord came into. It was a dreadful place. The only nation that knew God had given them up. And the rest of the nations were given up to superstition Devil worship and idolatry. Think of the cruelty of the world power at that time. The Roman power described in Daniel. Daniel was horrified by what he saw. Well, that is the world to which my Saviour came. But he never left it like that. He left the possibility of salvation. The possibility of peace. The possibility of being saved. The gospel began after Christ went on high. Raised, went into death, but was raised again by the glory of the Father and ascended into heaven from where he's coming again. But he changed the course of the history of this world in that it was now possible for persons to be saved. And 2,000 years later, it's still possible. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't that tell you volumes about the heart of God? That this dispensation that we speak of, this time of grace, is the longest 
of all dispensations. I think there's been about seven. If you look into the various ones in God's dealings with man, there's been seven dispensations. But the dispensation of grace is the longest. It's not specified in Scripture. We don't know how long it is. It's just the times of the nations. It could finish tonight. It could end tonight. Think of what's happening in the world, you know. Satan's becoming bolder. Things are being proposed and carried out which are against God's ordering. The hand of God will intervene as it intervened in Belshazzar's life. You know, Belshazzar's grandfather was Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, after he was saved, who shall stay God's hand? Who shall stay it? In other words, if God wants to do something, who'll stop him? Belshazzar was a man who knew the terms of the gospel. He he would be a man who'd heard the gospel. He knew. He knew about his grandfather. He knew what had happened. Daniel said, you knew all this. And the God in whose hand your breath is, that was not honoured. Think of your, everybody in the world tonight. Their very breath is in the hand of a God they don't believe in. But that's the truth. The God in whose hand your breath is. Well, he took the vessels of God, the house of God, into this assembly, this party, and praised the gods of stone and silver and gold and all the rest of it. And you know, this must have been a terrifying sight. Because right next to the candlestick that shone light upon the wall came the fingers of a man's hand. Just just the fingers of a man's hand. And it wrote on the wall, God intervened in that man's life. But not for his blessing. Would that God will intervene in the lives of persons tonight for their blessing. Like he intervened in the life of Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road. Like he's intervened in the lives of thousands since. Would to God he'll intervene in the lives of persons who come under the sound of the glad tidings tonight. But for Belshazzar, It was not for his blessing. You need to understand that God will have the last word in everybody's life. Everybody. You can refuse to come to Christ as long as you draw breath. But when you die, you submit to Christ because he rules over living and dead. So you will submit to Christ. You will come under his sway you will own that he is Lord to God the Father's glory. Every creature will do that. Why not submit to Christ tonight? This was a terrifying sight for Belshazzar. It says his loins were loosed and his knees smote together and he sought to know what the words were. Well, one of the things that was said on the wall 
was that they were weighed in the balances and found wanting. Well, dear friend, if you were weighed in God's balances tonight, how would it be with you? What a simple question to answer. Uh, Do you know for sure? Do you know that you would not be found wanting? If you're sheltering under the precious shed blood of Christ, you won't be found wanting. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. You know, he's not condemning persons tonight. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That is how grace and truth subsisted in Jesus Christ. Because he was able to say to that woman, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The word in the glad tidings is, come to Christ. Come and trust him through faith and repentance. Come into the most wonderful blessing that God has in mind for you. Not only a saviour in Jesus, but the gift of the Holy Spirit, an inheritance by, among those sanctified by faith in Christ. You know, the gospel is so relevant, isn't it? It's needed no updating and no changing. It meets man's condition today as it did 2,000 years ago. We all need Christ. He's available tonight. May we trust him for his namesake.